People think that the Lord Jesus has gone to prepare a big mansion for us in heaven, as though God had two dwelling places or two buildings. God only has one building, not one in heaven, one on earth. He has one building. Welcome to Life Study, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Life Study is a study of the Bible emphasizing life. Jesus said in John 6:63, "The words I have spoken to you are spirit and are life." Life Study is the fruit of over 70 years of ministry by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. Watchman Nee began this ministry in China in the 1920s and continued it until his imprisonment and eventual martyrdom. Witness Lee brought this ministry to the United States in 1962. Before we join Witness Lee with today's life study of John, we would like to give you our toll-free number through which you may obtain a free copy of today's message. That toll-free number is one eight 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 Life Study, one eight 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 five four three three seven eight eight. With us on the program again today is Francis Ball. Francis has been associated with Living Stream Ministry for over thirty years. Francis, today once again we are in the mysterious and misunderstood chapter fourteen of John. We've seen the Lord's going and His coming and the producing of many abodes. Could you give our listeners a quick overview? Yes, this chapter is very mysterious, I admit, and it's very misunderstood. But this chapter is really the last message that the Lord gave to His disciples, and here He's talking about going away. Many people misunderstand this, but he's just talking here about his going to the cross, and when he goes to the cross, he's also promising that he will come again. His coming again, of course, is after his resurrection. He will come back to them, and when he comes back to them, he will be the Spirit, because in his resurrection he becomes the life-giving Spirit. So this chapter really does have a lot of mysterious terms and has been very misunderstood. But I believe in this life study we have begun to see the unraveling of this mystery to make it real to us. Let's go to Witness Lee. Chapter fourteen, the Lord has unfolded that He was going through death and then coming back in resurrection to bring. The disciples into the Father, and eventually he'll be the way, and the Father will be the destination. And then, where he is, the disciples will also be. But still, in those six verses, the thing is still not so clear. So, in the following verses. From verse seven through verse twenty, he goes further to、uh, reveal the details of this matter. How could he get into the disciples and bring them into the Father? The details are fully revealed in these following verses, seven through twenty. When the Lord said, "He was the way, and He was bringing people into the Father," 
Then one of the disciples asked him to show them the Father. Then the Lord said, What? I have been so long with you, three and a half years. You have been seeing me all the time. Still, you haven't known the Father. Don't you know that if you see me, you see the Father? If you know me, you know the Father. Why? Because I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Telling the truth, even up to this moment, this word still is a mystery. It means what? It means, on the one hand, the Father and the Son are just one. But on the other hand, they are still two. <laughs> don't ask me further. <laughs> if you do, I say, I don't know. I only know, on the one hand, the Father and the Son are one. If you see the, this one, you see that one, because the two are one. The Father is in the Son, and the Son is in the Father. If you see the Son, sure, you see the, the Father. But, on the other hand, still, they are two. This is the mystery of the triune God. But, anyhow, be warned. Never consider that the Father and the Son are two separate gods. This is a heresy. We don't have three gods. We only have one unique God, which the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Even I am so careful not to use the word person. Sometimes for speaking, for understanding, we are forced to use the word person. Really, that is a little too much. Too much. Well, what is this? Well, this is this. <laughs> I can't explain. I just can't explain. We can know just this much. If you have seen the Son, you have seen the Father, because the Father is embodied in the Son, seen among the believers. Let's pause here, Francis. Francis, the Lord uses Philip's request Lord, show us the Father, in verse 6, to unveil more concerning the mystery of the triune God. Could you say something about the Lord's response to Philip, He who has seen me has seen the Father? Yes, you know, in uh, chapter 10, verse 30, the Lord Jesus has already said clearly that He and the Father are one. We can't explain this matter adequately because it's very difficult for our limited mentality to understand how they too could be one. Our way of thinking that the Son is the Son and the Father is the Father considers these two distinctly separate. But this is not that kind of uh, revelation. This is a mystery. We have to take this mystery of the Trinity according to the Lord's definite and clear word, not according to our suppositions. Many people read this passage, and they suppose that it means something else. But here, the Lord has made it very clear 
that he and the Father are one. He that has seen me has seen the Father. This is God's word, and we take it for its plain speaking. When you see me, you see the Father. So the Father and the Son are really one. This is a mystery that I can't explain. The Bible says it. Let's return to Witness Lee. The Son is realized not in the Spirit, but as the Spirit, abiding in the believers. Firstly, the Spirit is another comforter. This word comforter in Greek is parakletos. It's a hard word for any translator. So the best way is to anglicize it. Just paraclete. What does this mean? This means when that is alongside of you, taking care of all your cases, of all your needs. This is such a one. The Holy Spirit, which is the reality of Jesus and the realization of the Lord, is such a one that is alongside of us, serving us, carrying us, taking care of all our cases and all needs. And this is the spirit of reality. Why he is the spirit of reality? Because whatever God is, whatever the Lord Christ is, is just the spirit. God is light. Christ is life. And the reality of this light is the spirit. And the reality of this life is the spirit. If you don't have the spirit, you couldn't have the light of God. If you don't have the spirit, you couldn't have Christ as your life. The reality of all the divine attributes is the spirit. Now, the Son being in the Father, the believers being in the Son, and the Son in the believers. <laughs> At that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and He in me, uh, or you in me, and I in you. I could never remember so well who is in whom. At that day, what day? The day of resurrection. At the day of resurrection, you should know that, read it. I am in my Father, and you in me, and you in me, and I in you. We all have to see, verse 17 says, the Spirit will be in us. Right? Then verse 20 says, Christ the Lord will be in us. The Spirit will be in us, and the sin will be in us. You just please tell me, are the two or one in us? 
Right. Wine. You may say boat. But still wine. We don't have two in us. Do we have two? Do we have the spirit plus the sun? Or do we have the sun plus the spirit? We don't. We just have one. A wonderful one who is both the sun and the spirit. Who is both is the spirit. So as long as the spirit is in us, the sun is in us. As long as the sun is in us, the spirit is in us. Now you can see he has roused himself into us. Before these few verses, in the first part of this chapter, he was still not in the disciples. But up to this point, in verse 20, he is in the disciples. And the disciples are in him. As he is in the Father, so the disciples are also in the Father. Where he is, there the disciples may be also. It is for this that he goes to die. To prepare the way. To prepare a standing that we may get into God. And he may get into us. Then, by being in us and by putting us into the Father, he could build us together in the triune God into one as his eternal abode. Let's pause here, Francis. This is another mysterious section. I think we need your help to clarify what the Lord is revealing to us through his speaking to the disciples. It's hard to tell in these verses who is in whom, isn't it? Yes, it seems so. But we can see from these verses that the trinity of the Godhead is not for us to have a doctrine about the trinity. We're not here talking about a doctrine of the triune God. No, God is triune for a purpose. God is triune, that is, He is the Father, He is the Son, and He is the Spirit. He is God, but He's triune. And he's triune for dispensing himself into us. Christ the Son is the embodiment of the Godhead. This is made clear in Colossians chapter 2 verse 9. Uh, There it says, For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. I think many people read this as though he said, For in him, that is in Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Father. But it doesn't say that. It says, In Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead. All that God is in His Trinity is in Him bodily. When Christ became a man, He was the embodiment of the Godhead, the triune God. He went through death and came out in resurrection. And according to 1 Corinthians 15.45, the last part, in His resurrection, He as the last Adam became the life-giving spirit. This life-giving spirit includes the Father, who is in the Son, and includes the Son, who is now the Spirit. So we can say 
that this life-giving Spirit is the consummation of the triune God. He's the totality of God the Father, God the Son, all included in the Spirit. This wonderful one is now in us. So to have such a one in us is to have the Father who is in him in us. So we must see that it is as the Spirit that he is in our spirit. If you have the Spirit, you have the Father. If you have the Spirit, you have the Son. And of course, if you have the Spirit, you have the Holy Spirit. So the three are one, and he has been dispensed into us to be our life and everything. As Witness Lee said, we do not have two in us, but we have the Father and the Son who are one, now consummated as the life-giving Spirit, and he is the one who is in us. This is the reason that in John 3, 6, it says, uh, that which is born of the Spirit, which is a capital letter meaning the Spirit, the consummated Spirit, is Spirit in our spirit. Hallelujah. For such an indwelling Spirit in our spirit. Now let's go back to Witness Lee. Now I hope that we all would be so clear about the revelation of this chapter. Number one, none of us should consider that what is mentioned in this chapter is that the Lord was going to the heavens to build a heavenly mansion. And after he finished the mansion, then he will come back and take us up to that mansion. This is absolutely <laughs> human, natural concept. And in a sense, it is not so good. It is similar to Buddhism. I don't like to talk too much about it, but anyhow, just drop this concept. God doesn't have two buildings. One in the heavens, as a heaven mentioned, one is on the earth as a church. No, God only has one building. That is his building among his redeemed to be his living dwelling place. In the past, it was the building among Israel, and today is the building among the believers. And eventually, it will be consummated, ultimately, in the new Jerusalem. This is God's building. And the way for God to do this building is to dispense himself into all of us. And the way for God to dispense himself into us is by being the Father and the Son and the Spirit. He is not only God the Father. He is also God the Son. And he is also God the Spirit. God the Father is the source, is the origin, is the substance, is the element. I hope that you could follow. 
God the Father is the source, the origin, the substance, the element. Then God the Son is the expression, the manifestation, the way for God to touch man or man to touch God. This is God the Son. Then God the Spirit is the reality of all what the Father is and all what the Son is. Whatever God is now is fully realized in this Spirit. And what the Son is is now fully realized in this Spirit. So God the Father in the Son. And the Son as the Spirit reaches our spirit and gets into our spirit to be, firstly, our life, secondly, our life supply, thirdly, our everything. Now, we all have this triumph God dispensed into our being. And he is all the time trying to get a chance to spread himself from within us. From within our spirit, into our soul, and even into our body. That our whole being will be fully possessed and saturated and possessed by him. I tell you, this saturation is the actual building of his eternal habitation. The more we would let him saturate us, the more he would take us over, and the more he will do his building in us, with us, and through us, and among us. And eventually, today, he will get local churches in different localities to express this building. And eventually, we all will be there in the new heaven and new earth as the new Jerusalem. To be his eternal dwelling place to express his glory forever. Well, this last section really brings together many things. The matter of the triune God and the mystery of Christ being the Spirit and God's eternal building, the New Jerusalem, all come together in John 14. Could you contrast the divine revelation in this chapter with the common interpretation? Yes, this chapter really does uh, bring a lot of things together. I like the way you put it because uh, the matter of the triune God, the mystery of Christ being the Spirit, and God's eternal building. This is all included in chapter 14, and even in this particular section. The, uh, the common interpretation, generally speaking, is that God so loved the world that he gave his Son to come and die for us, to save us from going to hell, and that he was raised up, and that he ascended to the heavens. This is marvelously true. But the point here changes in the common interpretation from what the Bible says. They say he's going to prepare a house. That is, he's there preparing a mansion. P. 
People think that the Lord Jesus has gone there in his resurrection to prepare a big mansion for us in heaven, as though God had two dwelling places or two buildings. God only has one building, not one in heaven, one on earth. He has one building. So this view, commonly known, is not accurate according to the Bible. God does have one building, not two, not one in heaven and one on earth. No, he is building himself into us to be his dwelling place. He is not there preparing some kind of physical mansion, but he is building himself into us to be his dwelling place on the earth. These verses in John 14 reveal that God the Father is the source, the origin. Actually, he's the substance, he's the element. God the Son is the expression, the manifestation, and the way for God to touch man and for man to touch God. The Spirit is the reality of all that God the Father and God the Son are. He is now in our spirit. He's wanting to spread himself as our life into our soul, into our whole being, to saturate us with himself. Actually, this saturation is the building. It's God himself saturating himself into his believers to spread himself through our whole being so that we become his dwelling place. And ultimately, in this way of saturation, dispensing himself and saturating us with himself, God will have the new Jerusalem as his eternal dwelling place to express his glory. So we see this new Jerusalem, this building of God, this house that he's building, is himself being built into his believers, saturating them with himself. So the new Jerusalem is the combination and the mingling of the triune God with man. Francis, a question comes to mind here based upon your sharing. That is, the Bible says many abodes, but you're saying that God has only one building. I wonder if you could clear this up. Yes, of course God only has one building, but it's made of many abodes. This word abodes in the verses we've covered today in this portion talk about many abodes. And this word which is commonly translated as mansions, is the word in Greek meaning abodes, abiding places. And that same word is used in in verse 23 in this chapter where the Lord Jesus says, He that loves me shall be loved of my Father, and we will come to them and make our abode with them. So he abides in each one of the believers in this way. Every believer is an abode, and the real building of God is the consummation of all these abodes into one with God as their life, and that is the new Jerusalem. Thank you, Francis. We appreciate the fellowship. If you would like a free copy of today's Life Study message and a gift copy of the Stream magazine, call toll-free at 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's one 888 or write us at Living Stream Ministry, P.O. Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814, or visit us at our website, www. 
www.lsm.org. Our number again is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. The Living Stream Ministry is pleased to announce the publication of a new book, The Overcoming Life, a fresh and accurate translation of messages given by Watchman Nee in 1935. These messages contain the underlying truth that led to Watchman Nee's well-known classic, The Normal Christian Life. This book and other books by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee are available at your local Christian bookstore through Spring Arbor Distributors. Thank you for listening.